Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Kindled, a podcast where women share stories of motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. Today, I'm going to be chatting with a friend from the Kindled community named Natalie Hickson. Natalie is a wife and mom, and she is an author and certified professional life coach. Her mission and passion is helping discouraged and burnt out Christian moms overcome destructive anger so they can enjoy being a wife and mom. Before I get into the conversation with Natalie, I just have to tell you guys, I am back from my vacation. Many of you probably didn't know I was on vacation, but um, I spent a week in the Caribbean with my family. We went to the Dominican Republic, went to an all-inclusive resort with the kids, took them there, uh, played on in the sand, made some sandcastles, played in the waves. It was such a blast. It was the perfect place to bring little kids. Um, highly recommend considering an all-inclusive if you want to bring your kids to the beach but are a little overwhelmed by the prospect of bringing kids to the beach. I mean, I have a two and four-year-old, so they're still really young. And, you know, the traditional beach vacay just does not sound attractive to us because, you know, we didn't want to be like cooking every meal in a house or figuring out restaurants. And the all-inclusive really worked really well for this age of kids. You know, just being like two minutes from where you eat breakfast and lunch and having, you know, lunch delivered to you on the beach. It was perfect. So anyways, that was a very awesome time, just restorative to not work and not have my laptop, not be productive, not do anything at all. And I have to say the further, uh, the more time that I spend not working or not doing those things, the less of a hold that productivity or work and just getting stuff done seems to have on me. So I love, I like that about vacations is that I feel like the distance that it gives you from your work, although it's hard to come back and like get recentered on your purpose and what you're doing. It's just really nice to reset and not, you know, and be in a place where you literally can't work and, and it's not even like a temptation. So you just kind of have to like reorient, find a new way to, to get that, like just peace. And, and it's actually by doing nothing. Um, so come to find out there's more than one way. Uh, for us threes on the Enneagram to find satisfaction. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm also kind of serious. So before I get into my interview with Natalie, I also want to say that I came back from the, the vacation just hoping there would be like a couple voicemails uh, recorded of your stories for the anniversary episode, and there was still nothing. So I'm not mad about it. I'm just letting it inform the fact that we need to make a change. Let's make a change here. So instead of having you call in, I'm going to ask that you email me a story. Email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com. And I want to hear your answer to this question. What is God teaching you in your work and or motherhood? That's it. Just answer that question. However you see fit, it can be as long or as short as you want your answer to be. Um, But what is God teaching you in your work and your motherhood? And you don't have to be a mom. If you just want to answer the work part, that's great. I just want to hear what God is doing in your life. And I I want to hear these various different stories from different women from all different walks of life and different situations and circumstances and challenges and successes. And like, I just want to hear what, what he's doing because it's encouraging to my heart to know that it looks so different in everyone's life, but he is good. And he's like showing up for you in different ways than he is for me. It's just like... I think that we need to hear those stories. Um, And that's, you know, obviously what this podcast is all about. But I want to hear from you guys, like those of you who, you know, maybe I'm not going to get a chance to interview you one on one, or um, you would not want to be interviewed one on one, but you would be willing to share, um, you know, just like a little snippet from your life and what that looks like of God teaching you in your work and motherhood. So you have 10 days, you have 10 days left, you have to email it to me by January 30th. 
Okay, so I guess you have nine days because then I need to go through them and kind of put them all together and actually record my episode. And so I need a little bit of time, but I want this to air February 4th. So this is coming together at the last second. If it does, you've, you have got to do it in the the next nine days. If you want to participate, I would love for you to participate, but you know, that's up to you. If you want to send in a story, email me at Haley at And you know, you don't have to have something profound to say. It doesn't have to be like some amazing teaching. Just share what God's doing in your life um, or in your heart. And that'll be enough. So I'll be praying for you and just um, hoping that, you know, the ones that want to share and feel compelled to share to evidence like the grace and the faithfulness of God in their life will. And if you are not in a place that you want to share, then maybe you will be one who is helped by the stories that are told um, on that episode. God willing, if it happens. So we will see. It's to be determined. But um, if you would like to participate, email me at Haley at KindledPodcast.com by January 30th with your answer to the question, what is God teaching you in your work and or motherhood? Okay, so now on to my conversation with Natalie. Natalie, thanks for being with us today. Mm-hmm. So you've been a follower on Kindled for a while now, and I've kind of chatted with you through DMs and just gotten to know a little bit about what you do, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and talk about what you do in your professional world and then also your family. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So I married my high school sweetheart, Mike, and we have three girls. They're ages 8, 12, and 15. Uh, we live in Bozeman, Montana, and the girls, real quick, they are homeschooled, although I don't take the credit for that. My mom homeschools them, and they're also part of the Classical Conversations community, so mm-hmm. um, that's been really fun for them, and then um, that gives me the time to stay here. I work at home, and what I'm doing is currently coaching Christian moms overcome destructive anger and burnout and help them actually enjoy their role as a wife and a mom. Cool. How did you get into that work? Like what led you to doing that work as a life coach and with the topic that you focus on? I'm sure it's, that's, you know, your life story. I'm imagining. (laughs) Is that what you'd like? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So basically I grew up in Montana and my parents were entrepreneurs themselves. My dad was building a financial practice and mom was working with him and they, they had, you know, stressful building business life. Like Mm -hmm. all of us entrepreneurs have experienced, but I, home life was what I call like loud and loving. Like my parents totally loved me, but they were really loud. And that's how the anger was Mm. um, expressed in our house was yelling, screaming, Mm. slamming the doors. That's how they worked through their their anger at, the, at that time. Um, mm. It's totally different for them now. Uh, they're completely different, which is good. As you grow up, you should be. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that was basically like home life. But I grew up, I went to public school and I was, I, you know, I struggled with weight and insecurities and I really didn't know how to deal with anything. And so like outside, it just mm-hmm. felt like I was always angry, basically. Mm-hmm. Like things were always triggering me. Um, I create drama with my friends or try to control everything in every situation. And I mean, that went through high school, and that was kind of the the biggest drama was kind of the biggest thing for me with anger mm-hmm. in high school and in grade school. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I met Mike in high school, so he experienced a lot of that. When we got married, things didn't change; they actually got worse. I would scream, yell, slam, throw things. I would belittle him. It was just, it was scary. I was actually afraid in the first few years of a couple years of our marriage to even have kids. Um, But eventually baby fever hit. I ended up with our first daughter. uh, Enya is her name. And I was overwhelmed as most moms are when you have your first kiddo, right? Mm -hmm. It was scary. And I still hadn't worked through my anger issues. And they just seemed to kind of keep getting worse. Mm-hmm. And so it was about the time that Enya was two. It, at that time, you could see both of us on the floor throwing tantrums. Like we were mm-hmm. basically like 
feeding off of each other at that point. And really the turning point for me with anger happened to be when we brought our second kiddo home, Sky, and Enya was just kind of inconsolable. She was always angry. She was always throwing epic tantrums. I was angry and it was obvious that Enya was stressed and I didn't know how to to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I even was like, is there a place we can send her away? Like I wasn't seeing where the real problem was at that moment, right? I just thought Enya was the problem. Mm. So, and that's something to just recognize this whole time, this whole story I've given you. I never, I knew at one point I was afraid to have kids because I knew I was angry, Mm -hmm. but I never was fully like grasped that concept. I just Mm -hmm. knew like I'm angry. It just must be who I am. Yeah. I don't know what to do with myself. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to keep living life. But anyways, the turning point was when we took Enya to a psychoanalysis and we said, she's not normal. There's something wrong. And she observed us and her and had Enya leave the room. And she sat down and she looked at me and she said, Enya is a perfectly normal six-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's wrong with her then? She's like, you need to come in and see me weekly. And I was like, what? Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. And I was just, I did not want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, like God opened my heart and he was like, she's right. You know, that's, this is the problem. It's you, you need to work on what's going on with you mm-hmm. in order for her to get better. Mm-hmm. So I committed to working with her and really therapy. It taught me a lot about myself, but where I really started to understand the anger part was at some point in my childhood. And I'm saying too, I never really learned how to work through the emotion of anger. And I was stuck there. Mm-hmm. I was stuck in the two-year-old mindset of what anger looks like. And so that would be one reason why Enya and I would sit down, sit down, we weren't sitting, why would feed off each other when she's in these tantrums. I would be in the same tantrum. I didn't know any more than she did on how to deal with that. Yeah. And so working through how what anger was and what anger looked like and how to process anger Mm-hmm. I was able to quickly grow through and understand it. Now, it doesn't mean I just one day all of a sudden quit having destructive anger. No. <laughs> right. No. But I can remember working through that. And I remember holding Enya and looking at her and like taking her little hand and putting it on my face and just and looking down and saying after like a another outburst of mine and hugging her and rocking her and just looking at her and saying, Enya, I'm so sorry for me being angry. I'm sorry for the anger that you experienced. I'm sorry that you mm-hmm. had to go through this and you, you dealt with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on getting better and I'm committed to helping you work through this too. Whatever it takes, we're going to get through this together. I mean, she was like six when I said this, but it was something that I repeated a lot to her mm-hmm. and, and I apologized to her. Now, let me separate the fact that yes, she still had to, we still had to work through the discipline. It wasn't like she could just do anything and it was always me who was sorry. Sure. We had to work through the discipline of what she did and why it wasn't okay. Right. But I also had to come back to her and tell her, you know what, this is what human looks like. Mm -hmm. Even when you sin, you know, it doesn't make it okay for me to then have a reaction that is off the handle or whatever. Yeah. What did you come to understand anger to be? Because you said you started working through like what anger is and how to process it. So what in your work personally, what did that definition look like for you? Because it is kind of a complex emotion, you know, I mean, it's not, it's almost like an emotion that doesn't ever come on its own. It's always accompanied with, you know, disappointment or hurt or something else, you know? So, well, See, the thing to recognize about anger is it's a natural God-given human emotion. God himself experiences anger. It's a different anger. There's two different types of anger. And there's one that's warning you and helping you see what is right and what is not. It's like justice, right? When you see some, some guy walk across the street and shove a kid to the ground, that makes you angry. That's a healthy angry. That's not okay for that guy to do that and for you to you know, use that anger to go over and, and help the kid up and make sure the kid's okay. That's 
a healthy anger. Mm-hmm. You see God experiencing anger throughout the Bible and, and Jesus experiencing anger. The reason these angers aren't sinful is because they're righteous anger, right? Mm-hmm. It's done in act of making something right. So destructive anger is with the term that I use. That is when you're using anger to hurt somebody or something else. Mm-hmm. You're using anger um, to manipulate, to control, to protect yourself because you're afraid. And basically that covers it. It's, it's one of those things that you're usually using a destructive is why you're using destructive anger. Mm-hmm. My kid's not listening to me. I keep having to repeat myself. She's still not listening to me. I'm going to have to scream at her for her to finally hear me once and for all. She's going to get her attention and that's destructive anger, right? So in the, the pattern that we get into as moms is maybe, maybe you're not a screamer. Maybe you say it like in a mean way or something. I don't know. But the pattern is we get a result from it. You scream mm-hmm. at your kid, they stop doing what they're doing. There's peace, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like peace on the outside. Mm-hmm. But internally, you're hurting because you didn't mean to hurt your child like that, but you didn't know what else to do. And your child's hurting because mom just scared them yeah. and hurt them with their destruction. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, like from what you, you know, you've obviously done a lot of work. You were in therapy for this anger. You mentioned growing up with entrepreneurial parents. I did as well. Um, And anger was definitely a part of my experience. Maybe I wasn't aware of it as much because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't actually really know that what you're experiencing is normal or not. You're just, it's the only family you know. So you don't think that your dad is angry or you don't think that you know, you just are like, that's just my dad, you know? And so, but I do remember feeling fear over just, he would get home and kind of rampage through the house. And if things weren't picked up, they were going in the trash, you know, like threats sort of like that. And then that sort of sounds like what you were describing, the desire to control. So controlling the environment, making it clean, making it feel whatever, making it feel like a controlled environment, even though there was five kids running around. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just curious, like what, do you feel like you're watching that pattern, even though you didn't know it was really, you didn't know what you were seeing when you were seeing it. Do you think that that is why you struggled with that as an adult, as a parent? Um, Because I do also struggle with anger and I don't know. I'm, I just wonder how, you know, they say more is caught than taught. So I wonder if like it subconsciously I've, recognize this is how you get things done. You yell, you threaten, you know, you make, you, you make things extreme. So it's like you, you, they have to get off the fence. They have to decide one way or the other, are you going to obey me or not make a decision? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So you learned how to put your clothes on a certain way from your parents. You learned how to cook a certain way from your mom. Probably you learn how to pick up these habits that you do on a daily, like the way you blow your nose probably looks a lot like the way your parents blow their nose, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I believe that we pick up patterns from um, our parents in how we deal with emotions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a great example is that one where if I would not have figured out that I was stuck at two with my tantrums, Mm -hmm. where would Enya be today? Mm. Yeah. Where would I be today with her? And I want to talk to you about where she is today too, when you're ready. I want to tell you where she's at and how that looks. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I believe that you picked it up. Does this mean that you get to point fingers at your parents and say, you caused this for me? Right. No, absolutely not. not. I never blame my parents. My parents did what they thought was best in what they knew they could. And I'll tell you what, my parents grew from their parents. Mm-hmm. They didn't, right. I didn't experience what my parents experienced exactly. through anger. Yeah. So, and, and I think we're all called as a generation to get better, right? With mm-hmm. Each generation. So, and that's every parent's hope and dream is just that your kids will be better than you, better yes. off, better, you know, relationally, better emotionally, better spiritually. Like we just want, we want everything to be better for them. And I can for sure look at, you know, my parents parents, parents to them, to me and see markedly huge improvements in terms of on every single level, like financially, every single level that I would look at and compare, even though that's just a worldly comparison, kind of a secular measure to use. Yeah. I would say 
I am better and, I, and I'm better off because of how they raised me. So I certainly wouldn't ever blame them for that. But I just think it's interesting because as an entrepreneur and as, you know, there's just a, a unique, there is a unique pressure. The home of an entrepreneur can be a uniquely weird pressure cooker because there are <laughs> things that are going on sort of outside of even the entrepreneur's control, even the the business owner's control, um, of course, all the time but they're subject to it and thereby their family is subject to it, whether that's a launch or uh, a product deadline or, um, you know, losing a contract that is like a a significant amount of your monthly income, you know? I mean, yes, you could lose a job and then that, that, that's, you might create a similar environment, whether or not you, you know, work for someone else or in your own business. And I know my husband, you know, he has a, a job in corporate and, he could very well, you know, if, if he were to lose that job, I would imagine a very similar context could be created from that. But I guess I'm just saying there's a lot more flux and fluidity sometimes in in the home of an entrepreneur. Um, at least I experienced that growing up with my dad. And the the mood of the f- the home is very much kind of a, it's the trickle down effect of, of their personal state. Where are they at? And then that's where everybody else is at. And I see that in my own home. Like when I'm in a bad moods, stressed out about, you know, this or that client project or feeling behind, or I'm not getting ahead. My kids pay for it because I'm, I'm stressed out and I have very little margin and I have very little patience. And I, I I just, I like have, I'm up to here already with that work. And now, you know, the, the smallest thing they do, I'm over the edge. And so, you know, I identify a lot with that, um, you know, experience. And I guess I can only speak for someone who grew up in an entrepreneur's house and then now has, um, a family that is sort of dictated by the, the the flux and change of what that looks like in my own life. So um, oh, I wouldn't say dictated, but just affected, you know, just I, I see that it is affected. So it's kind of an interesting topic to me. Mm-hmm. So where are you at now? You mentioned your daughter is in a different place. I yes. mean, I would love to hear. So I, I know you did work, but you know, it's like, I, I realized it wasn't overnight. So what did it look like for you? How long were you in therapy, how how does it look now for you guys and your family? Well, first of all, when I went through therapy, coaching wasn't a thing really. Not like it is today. Not not the life coaching mm-hmm. that we're able to access today. So would I suggest therapy for anyone, a mom who's struggling with destructive anger? Um, it depends on how severe it is. If there's some emotional abuse, some sexual abuse, absolutely. There are some, like that kind of trauma needs to be looked at through someone who's professional. Um, For me, like I said, I learned a lot about myself in therapy, but I would say the biggest takeaway I had was that, that peace in finding, like when I look back to those years, the peace of, I have to learn how to grow through my anger. I need to mature in my anger. I need to understand what this emotion is and how to make it like how to live with it. Um, because it is a natural emotion, right? So I really did a lot of like self-discovery with my own anger work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never came out of therapy recovered, but as far as like my journey past therapy, what I really did was I started working with different coaches in different areas of my life. So I started to get consistent, first of all, with God. I got consistent uh, taking care of my body, my hormones. Um, I got a meal plan figured out that finally worked for me. And then just creating some space in my life by figuring out, okay, what is overwhelming me so much to the point you, you talk about the, in, the different things that can happen as an entrepreneur that can cause you to feel in a state of already, already you're in a state of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come out and your kids start fighting, you like snap at them. It can be that for anyone though, not just specifically like work stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if the house was out of order, if, if I was eating out every night, if the laundry was piling. That was all stuff that was overwhelming me and I would snap at the kids. Mm-hmm. So figuring out a few systems and things like that really helped quickly calm the chaos mm-hmm. and the burnout, which helped me focus on who I was and working on the insecurity inside. Mm-hmm. And it was really the insecurity 
of who I was and what I belonged to mm-hmm. that like I wasn't good enough. Not feeling good enough was like the core of my anger. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good enough. So I had to protect myself. Yeah. At, other, at, under, at any rate, my daughter looked at me funny. She was making of me. Well, that wasn't really the case. She was being fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the core of who I was was not strong, I took everything personally. Mm-hmm. And I would do anything to protect my environment. And, and being angry, you talk about your dad coming home and like picking things up and making everything has to be back in its place. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing for me. I Even to this day, if I start to feel annoyed or frustrated, mm-hmm. I'm picking up and telling the kids to pick their rooms up. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I anger some, some of the times that my house has been the cleanest has been when my husband and I are in, in an argument and yeah. we're both just like cleaning the kitchen <laughs> and I can't stop and look at him because I'm too angry. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I would attribute the biggest things. I went through life coaching school and life coaching school is not just to learn about how to life coach someone. It's being coached yourself. Mm-hmm. You spend the majority of time being coached mm-hmm. and working on yourself. And so that was huge. It was during that time that I got a real consistent time started with God on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. And those two things really helped me overcome my middle daughter and my youngest daughter have no idea what the scary mom looks like. They say it like, cause I'll yell like, come on guys, we gotta go or, you know, whatever like that. If I'm in a hurry or something, um, or raise my voice. And I got to talk to about that in a second as far as raising your voice when you've, you've been a screamer mm-hmm. um, and, or I'll be like, go pick your room up, you know, and give her like a stern look. And she's like, you're so mean. And I just think I'm like, you have no idea what mean looks like. And you right. are so blessed. Yeah. <laughs> I want to speak to that real quick though. Yeah. yeah. When you have, have gotten to a place where you're not screaming or you're not slamming the doors, you're not stomping around where I was, that's where I was. Um, even raising your voice can feel like destructive anger. And yeah. I, it's good. It, it self-checks me. But at the same time, I'm extra sensitive to it because of where I had been. Yeah. So it's normal if you are, you know, you've called the kids, you're like, so we have upstairs and downstairs. So mm-hmm. it happens a lot where I'll be in the kitchen like, guys, come to dinner, you know? And, yeah. and I'm like, or, and I'll, there'll be a little frustration behind. It. I'm like, get your butts down to dinner, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, that, uh, that destructive anger, you know, and it was like, no, 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 that's just mom. That's just being mom. Like, you know, it yeah. wasn't hurting anybody. It was just simply like attention. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Room full of screaming kids. You got to raise your voice. <laughs> right. So Yeah. You, you talked about, um, you know, how this is not just for people who own their own business. And, and that's been my, my own personal experience. So sometimes I think I can think like, this is a problem for me because I have so much going on or I am being pulled in so many directions, but that is not, that is not really true. And that could easily be a a lie that I believe that, that somehow maybe justifies, you know, why I would do it. Well, I'm really stressed out or I have a lot going on or, Oh, it's just that I have so many things on my plate, but every mom everywhere has a lot of things on her plate working or not working. And so can you talk about how, whether or not you have, you, you have work that is in the home, out of the home, from home, you know, being a homemaker, whatever that is, that this, this issue of destructive anger is really a sin issue. It's not an issue of, you know, well, you just got to find more balance in your life. I mean, what does it look like for you in your relationship with God? And you mentioned like daily, daily time with him, which is great. And I agree. That's like, you know, where we have to start as believers. Um, mm-hmm. But what does that look like for you as, as just in your spiritual growth and your life today, having been dealing with this, what, you know, over, over 10 years, you've kind of, you've been on this journey. Yeah. So as I don't even know what the word you would call me. I'm like a work at home, not work at home mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I discussed the, the or mentioned earlier, the kids school mm-hmm. with my mom, but there's definitely like last week, good example. Last week they went to Nashville. Her and my dad went to Nashville for the week and I knew it was coming. I still had clients uh, scheduled and I still did my client calls, but beyond the client calls, I didn't get a whole lot done. Mm-hmm. I literally, when the kids get home, my brain is so trained 
I would say it this way. My brain is trained that when the kids get home on a regular day, I turn off work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm in that season of my life where because they're not home with me all day, I focus on work and then they get home. It's like automatic shut off for me. Mm-hmm. And so um, it wasn't always that way. And I can talk about, about that in a minute. But for now at where I'm at, when they're home, like last week, I fight with myself inside and, I, and not angry. I'm just like, I got to work and I have time to work because the kids, they're at the ages where I don't need to be sitting on the floor playing with them. Right. Right. They're self-sufficient. They do their own thing. They can make their own lunch, all that, all that, all that stuff. But even I will sit down to work and it's just the fact that they're home. My brain mm-hmm. is like, I can't focus. Mm-hmm. I get into my coaching mode, totally focused during that. But after that, like when it comes to like emails and things that I have to focus on, like writing and all of that, I'm like, it just, I kind of bounce around my day. And I I was thinking about this last week too, like, why am I like this? And I want to say the really cool part is the kids aren't getting the brunt of my anger through that. Back in the day, they would have. Mm -hmm. I guess it's because of working through destructive anger. They're not getting my anger. I'm not angry at them because I can't get my project done. I'm not angry at them because this email came in. It's kind of stressful. It's two separate compartments for me today. Mm. When the kids were young, it was different. I had them home more. I had, I can't remember if I told you, but I schooled them till they were first grade. I had to teach them to read. So we did preschool and kindergarten at home. And I was Mm. still trying to to do like at that point I was doing blogs and trying to write and trying to make a business of some sort. This was before life coaching school. I knew I wanted to do something online. So I was like searching for anything at that point. So yeah, it'd be stressful or I couldn't shut my brain off. I couldn't stop working. Mm -hmm. And so I would be working all day. They, Mike would be done with his work and he'd come home and he'd want to spend time. And I'm still thinking about work because I felt like at that point, I wasn't ever getting like a full focus yeah. session, right? Because your kids are like interrupting you and stuff. There were a few things that I came up with to work through some of that, some tips that I have for you that I'll share with you. Well, that, that's my life today. So I'm, I'm, I'm all ears I'm listening. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, so some of those tips that I have are time batching, which probably have heard of is my guess, but you mm-hmm. set up different times that you do work or different projects. Basically you're scheduling mm-hmm. your work time, right? Yeah. And hire the sitter, find a sitter for a couple hours a week. I did end up hiring a nanny for about two years. And I know not everybody can do that, but if you can do it, it was, it was really helpful. Or I know some people who I think you yourself, you do daycare, right? It's preschool, but preschool. Yeah. 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 So either one of those things, you know Mm -hmm. what, whatever works for you, I don't see any like to each his own, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So any way that you can make it work for, for me, it worked to have a nanny at home because I definitely had a place to go and shut the door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it wouldn't have worked in one house that we were in because it was like all open. There was Mm -hmm. no place to actually work. So it just depends on your setup and what you're comfortable with doing. And then can you do stuff with the kids awake and moving? Yeah. Like I had a list of simple tasks. So if I had 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. I had a list I could go to and I knew I could, I segregated my list. I used Basecamp and I had like a 10 minute list, a 30 minute list, an hour list and like big project list. So I had, what can I, what do I need to get done in 10 minutes? These are these tasks. So I'd knock some of those out if I had a few minutes here Mm -hmm. or there. Timer breaks. I loved this one. I got a timer. And basically split time with the kids. So I would start with the kids and I'd set a timer for like 15 minutes and I'd say, okay, so I'd get down on the floor and play with them. And sometimes it was just, you know, sometimes you just have to sit there. They don't even want you to play with them. You start to play with them and they're like, no, no, that's not how you do it. And you're like, okay, just sit here and give them their, your attention, right? You can use that by the way. And when I throw this in there, when you're doing that, I want you to use that time to practice focus. So focus is really, to me, I believe a skill and mm-hmm. living in the moment, right? Um, I, some blur we mentioned just but about moments, how, to, how does working, like living in the moment work as a mom? And mm-hmm. this is a good time to practice living in the moment and working on the focus. And that's by, it's painful, painfully easy, literally focusing on exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
she's taking the pony and hop, 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 hopping, ponies hopping. The pony is pink. How's the pony feel? The pony's happy. Like getting your your mind to literally focus on all the movements. I did this, um, even making my bed, pull the sheet up, pull the blanket up. It sounds really ridiculous, like saying it out loud Mm -hmm. or thinking it, but it's training your brain to focus in the moment. When you're thinking about those things, when you're thinking horse jumping, pink horse, horse is happy. What's daughter, how's daughter feeling? She's happy. She's twisting her hair. You know, when you're Mm -hmm. thinking those things, you're not thinking this work project over here is not getting done right now. And I really need to do it. And this is really frustrating that I just have to sit here and look at my kids. I need to be doing this project. Mm-hmm. you're just training your brain to focus in the moment. And eventually you don't even like focus on exactly what they're doing. Eventually you get to the point where you're in the moment and mm-hmm. you don't even realize it. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it was, it was crazy how it worked. And then, so the timer goes off 15 minutes, then you maybe take 15 to 30 minutes to work. Mm-hmm. You may get interruptions. This isn't the time for you to try to get that project that you can't get interrupted on. Mm-hmm. Like whether maybe it's like this, where you're doing an interview or something. Yeah. Of course you have to schedule time for sitters or somebody else to watch the kiddo, daddy, whoever it can be. Mm. So you can do those times, but this will help you get those other things that you can accomplish with some interruptions. Cause yeah, before the timer comes off, they may come and interrupt you, mm-hmm. but at least you're trying to help train them what that timer looks like. Right. Yeah. What I love about what you're saying is that it's okay to give your children some direction, even little children. I mean, obviously we have to be real with the ages we expect this of, but you know, some guidance like, Hey, I'm going to be doing something for 30 minutes. You guys are going to play here. I'm going to go to my office. I'm going to come get you when the time is up. Like that's, that's okay. You know, I think we, especially as young moms can kind of get so, you know, there's just so many voices now today with, you know, telling us all the ways that we could be a better mom. And it's really hard to feel like, well, how can I do all that and keep doing what I'm doing with my work? And, And then it becomes almost like so black and white that you can either only go work full time somewhere that you're not ever in this weird dance back and forth or not work at all. Because yeah. it's too hard to be a good mom and yeah. also work at home. And that's a that's a real thing that is out there. And I don't think it's true. But I, I think it's okay to tell your kids, you know, you're going to play alone without me. And it's great for them to learn how to do that. I mean, yes. I remember... It's a boundary. Kid, it's a good yes, boundary. Yes. Like, I remember playing... And obviously, I was, I was older probably than my children are right now. But I remember playing a ton by myself. I mean, my siblings and I would go into the woods and make forts and, you know, I mean, definitely not letting my four-year-old do that at this point. But, you know, I just, I remember that being a very normal, fun part of my childhood is not having your parents in the room all the time. You know, you, it's, Mm -hmm. it's okay. It's all right. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, and my kids are just And they know that they can look forward to that. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and, and Yeah, even to be given, I mean, I know my oldest daughter really loves being given a responsibility and and being entrusted with something and then being able to show me that she can do it, you know? And so look at that as an opportunity instead of, I have to go do this and now I'm a bad mom or now, you know, I'm not giving them the attention they deserve. But like you said, if you're truly focused on them and pouring in that time and if you're giving it to them first, it's going to be a lot easier to take those 15 to 20, 30 minutes after that. And and I've heard before that children often need, I think, I don't know where I heard this, but they need like 15 focused minutes of inter- of attention every hour. Like, so mm-hmm. forever, for 15 minutes, you might get then 45 minutes where they're okay playing by themselves, but then they need another really focused chunk of you and your time. And yes. not, you know, that's not a hard and fast rule. Obviously some kids need more or less, but yeah, I try and remember that. Like when they start losing it or start getting in lots of fights. And like, this is probably because I've just been running around the house, not engaging, either doing laundry or making lunch or whatever I might be doing it. And kind of just like being like, go off, go off, go play. And and there's a point where they need me to dial back in with them and really, you know, get on their level for a minute. So I want to, this isn't going to be successful for anybody listening who just sets a timer for 15 minutes, sits on the floor and then goes and tries Mm -hmm. to work for 30. Mm -hmm. This is something that you need to work into and train your kids on. And I tell you how to do that. I tell my, this is what I teach my clients, set the timer 
start with a small amount of time. Um, even if it's painfully small, like two minutes, three minutes. Okay. But I usually suggest like five, 10 minute intervals where you're sitting on the floor and playing with them for five minutes and you're in the room and, and you're doing this not during a work time. Okay. So just have like laundry or dishes that you need to do that. You're right there with wherever the kids are at. And you set the timer for five minutes, you play with them. The timer goes off, say, oh, mom's going to fold this basket of laundry. And when the timer's done, I'll play with you again. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of teach them what the timer is Mm -hmm. and how it's working in this case. And then you extend the time a little bit more, maybe 10 minutes working up to 15 minutes and helping them understand the concept. Mm -hmm. You're just building that skill for them. So they understand, oh, the timer goes off. That means I can bug mom right? Mm-hmm. Or go see mom, whatever. Or the timer goes off, mom is going to work right now. So that's one way I help moms try to introduce that concept to the kids. Because otherwise, you just set the timer, you play, yeah, and then you go work and they, we've never done this before. So mm-hmm. training them on it. Something else I want to give you some two other tips that worked really well for me. This one you got to mentally prepare for, especially if you're one like sounds like you might be like this too, or like a big mess is kind of stressful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when you are the one who's in control and you're the one who says this can happen, it usually works out really well for you because you have mentally chose this is how it's going to be. I would take, we had, I don't know if they're still even popular anymore. Little people, do you remember little people at all? Yeah. So we had a bunch of bins with little people and I would go set up the town and get it all perfect while they were maybe in nap time or when they're doing something else and set the town up. And then when I needed to work, I was like, okay, guys, the town's ready. Like go play. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so new, like so new to them, not really new, but like, it wasn't something they got all the time. So my living room would become little people central. And then I would, after a couple of days, I'd pack the little people up, put them away. And they didn't have that anymore for a while. Like mm-hmm. it'd be something else that we would do. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember one summer I kept my Lego, the Legos took over my dining room for the summer because the arts, it was a summer that we tried not homeschooling through the whole year. Now we do all year long. That's another like podcast, but, <laughs> but it, it changes. The schedule changes a little bit. It's a little more flexible, but we definitely school all year. Um, so it was like Lego central. And was it frustrating at times when I come down and like my Lego, like Legos were all over my dining room. Yeah. That was a little frustrating, but we had a table outside that we would eat at in the summer anyway. So it was never like a problem. Like we didn't need it. That kept them so busy for Mm -hmm. so long. And then toy rotations that kind of talking about the same thing. We had a basket. I would rotate like keep their toys in bins and I'd rotate the basket with different toys mm-hmm. and it would keep them interested and excited and, and it would give me some extra time. Yeah. So those well, are, those are some good tips. So one of the things that you, you mentioned in, in our kind of email correspondence was this idea of being a one no mom. Mm-hmm. What is that? How do you do that? How do you be a one yeah. no mom? Like I'm, I'm you know, 50 times and still getting the same questions. So that's something that's so, a little newer for me. This is the whole nagging situation. Yes. So this I'm still working on. This is something that there's no magic pill. All right. There's just no magic pill in motherhood, but there's skills that you can work on and develop and, and things that you can do mm-hmm. to help, help, of course. So mm-hmm. I got this from my aunt and I've actually heard it from some other moms who do really well with this. And basically what it is, is one no mom knows that when she says something, she means it Mm. or the kids get a consequence. And so I'm just going to give it to you like this and we'll kind of break it down. It gives the mom freedom to stay in a healthy mindset and gives her the buffer before any angry reactions happen. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. The consequence is always natural, healthy, and helps the kid to understand, give, take, and balance. Give, take, and balance, basically. So you're teaching the kids to have self-control with this, and you're actually practicing your own self-control with this. It's giving you a buffer. So your kids know there's a consequence with their negative behavior. You give them one warning. You say, hey, if you don't knock it off, if you don't stop this behavior, or whatever it is, or if you don't go do what I asked you to do, this is the consequence you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And 
you have to follow through with it. This is the hardest part. Whatever consequence you give, you have to follow through. So be careful what consequence you pick. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I suggest people making a list of different consequences and having a few consequences to always fall back on. Sometimes it's a wall sit because I can't think of anything else. I'm like, all right, wall sit two minutes right now. <laughs> or stairs because we have stairs in our house. They have to climb stairs back and forth depending on, I used that a lot when they were a little like younger. Hmm. All right, get over there and you're hiking five stairs, sets of stairs, go up and down. Hmm. I love consequences involve some activity because it's helping them release their frustration and getting their body moving and it's helping them to calm down. So, but there's other consequences like I'm trying, for instance, last night, I'll just use my teenager. I'm just, she's just my guinea pig because she's my first kid. So I'll just continue to use her as one. <laughs> um, last night, she was, she was sassing me, basically. Back talking, being kind of rude. And I was like, you need to stop or you're going to get a consequence. Well, mm-hmm. she didn't stop. So I took her book away, the book that she's just totally involved in right now. And that was it. She lost mm-hmm. her book. And to her, that was a big deal. Like you Mm -hmm. want it to be a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a big deal. She went to bed. She was upset and that's okay. I still gave her a hug and a kiss. Told you I love you. Good night. And there you go. She doesn't have that anymore until whenever I decide to give it back. So it's keeping you at a healthy stage of like, you're okay. You're you're frustrated because this is happening, but let's Mm -hmm. not get any more frustrated. Let's know that there's a buffer. And that buffer is when you, if they don't listen, if they disobey again, they get that consequence that keeps you from nagging. Mm-hmm. because you don't repeat yourself. They don't do what you say. They get the consequence. Mm, it's really hard. It's really hard. It is follow. really hard. Yeah. And so you want to give them so mm-hmm. many chances because you want to see them obey. And so that's, that's a struggle. I mean, and not that we don't ever give grace, but as parents, you know, it is our job. It is our job to raise them up in a way that teaches them to honor, honor their father and mother. It's like, that's biblical. And if you can't get a handle on that in a four-year-old, you certainly won't get a handle on it when they're 14. You know, I know that for sure. So that's why I think this stuff is, you know, even though it's like you're still dealing with it at 15, you know, it's not like, oh, well, just once I get to six or once I get to eight, you know, then it's like, no, this is this is the long haul. And I've got to develop a thick enough skin that I you realize that because I'm holding true and, and even maybe being made out to be a mean mom, it doesn't mean that I don't love you. And it doesn't mean I'm angry at you. In fact, it's the opposite probably for me. If if I don't lay down the law ever, I will really be angry at you because you've pushed me to my absolute edge, you know, and I've oh, let yeah. you, I've let you completely push me. And now I'm mad that I got pushed around by a four-year-old. You know? so. Right. Yeah. It protects, it protects them and it protects you. And there's a, Whenever one of my kids, you're mean, I'm like, that means I'm doing my job right. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be a mean mom in that respect. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? You have to learn and yeah. you don't get to go out in the real world and someone's going to tell you over and over, don't go through the red light. No, you're going to go through the red light and you're going to get hit Yeah, and you need to learn these consequences now. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be hurtful. It's a mm-hmm. consequence that, but it needs to hurt, hurt yeah. them in a heart way. Of, Productive oh, way. Right. Yeah. Like I really wanted to do that, you know? And, yeah. Yeah. Feeling the pain because yeah, without, uh, I mean, I was, I was the type of kid that was so headstrong that I really, you know, I wouldn't stop arguing with my mom when she would tell me like when I was your daughter's age, like she would be like, Hey, stop right now. Or I'm going to have to wait until your dad gets home and he'll deal with this. And I wouldn't stop. Oh, yeah. So then my dad would get home and he would deal with it. And and I, I didn't even care. I was like, bring it on. Bring me bring me the worst. <laughs> I was right. so headstrong. Like I it took it took a, a lot more discipline for me to be humbled or to back down than it does for some kids. Like I was very, yeah. uh, you know, I just, I was a very headstrong kid. So not everyone needs that level. I mean, you, you, you kind of know your own child, like what, yeah. what is going to work best for them probably, you know, and some are a lot more easily bruised than others. So when it comes to, you know, th- those consequences in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Yeah. Just one thing I don't like about that. And 
and I don't even know, like, I haven't heard people saying this in a long time, but obviously I'm not in everybody's houses. So I wouldn't know, but my mom would say that too. When dad gets home, he's going to hear about this. And you know Mm -hmm. what that, that creates in your child, Mm -hmm. a fear of dad. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely real for me. And, and my mom and I've talked about this and worked through it and all of that stuff. And, and I'm not like, like, again, let's go back and say, you know, I'm not pointing fingers. Mom was terrible. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to deal with this. Yeah. But be careful in what you say with that. Don't mm-hmm. use husband or anybody else as an excuse mm-hmm. to get out of dealing with that situation because you don't right. know or don't want to. Because um, yes. you don't want to cause that unnatural fear of their their father or mother because... Yeah, or uh, or a disrespect, actually, for yes. their mom. Because that's, for me, I think the bigger thing was like, I just, I realized, oh, I can talk you. I, I can say enough that will make you give up and then I've won. And it's like that ultimately I didn't win, but I won. It seems like I won the battle and not the war. And so it it gave me enough like hubris or kind of pride to be like, I'm going to keep doing that because I get to feel like I win, (laughs) you know, instead of like delivering the consequence, which I don't know. I mean, who knows how old I was when this was happening? Probably I could have been 15 or 16. So yeah, I don't know. That's hard. I don't have a 15 year old, so I don't know what that's (laughs) like, but well, and the other part of the one no mom, it can be challenging as a parent too, when you want to be a part of what the consequence is. So mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't last Friday, the Friday before we had all planned as the family, we were going to go to go, go to the Grinch. Mm-hmm. And so in the morning they had to do their chores. They had to do laundry. They were taking forever. I said, you guys need to hurry up. We got to get you to school. They continued to bicker and fight and do the things that siblings do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you guys, if you don't listen, we're not going to the Grinch tonight. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, oh, I was really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And what did they do? They didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I'm like, we're not going. Well, they got in the car when Mike picked them up that night and they thought they were still going. For some reason, they had forgotten the consequence. But when they came home, I was like, no, we're not going. You remember what happened this morning? They're like, oh, man. But they did earn it the next weekend. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it, you know, it can be hard because, like, you want to be part of some of those things too. But if some of those things can be really awesome because the next time you warn them, they're like, I don't want to lose that. Yeah. And so they, they listen, they do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so, but it's definitely something to practice on and consider. Mm-hmm. Like, I give my uh, clients a worksheet and I just have them. You know, write out some consequences that you can think of, uh, that you can fall back on if you can't think of anything in the moment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned at the beginning, like how your daughter is doing now, where is she at now? And can you kind of tie that up as far as, not that it's all perfect, but I'd love to hear what that looks like now for you guys. If you were to sit down and ask Enya about mommy being scary and angry, if do you remember that? And she would say no. And it always boggles my mind. I'm like, wow, that's crazy because it was scary. And here's how I believe this this has happened for her. She knows all that went down because I've told her, Mm -hmm. even at the age that she's at now, she knows all that went down. She knows what I do too as a coach and what I'm working with moms. I talk to her the whole, like every time you screw up, you have to get on their level and you got to apologize. You got to say, I'm sorry. I, I messed up and ask God for forgiveness and pray with each other. Pray over your baby with her um, when you've lost your cool with them. And I've told her for years, anytime, like mommy was angry. This is how, like, this is what it looked like. If you ever experience anything, if there's anything you feel like I need to talk to you about, come like come to me I want to ask your forgiveness or I want to help you work through that whatever it is that may have happened like basically trying to be proactive in trauma Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. you know helping her work through this as she's growing and I remember people telling me because her her tantrums were epic it didn't matter if we were home or at the mall Um, and people would be like oh you just wait you think they're bad now she's going to be just like that at 12 tell you what once my kid hit puberty she was like a totally different person. <laughs> mm. Um, and he's amazing. And she's like, she's not perfect, 
she's a teenager. You already heard one of the things I had to deal with her last Mm -hmm. night, but she is nowhere near the child. I thought she would have been when we were Mm -hmm. dealing with my anger and her anger Mm -hmm. when she was in her younger years. Why doesn't she remember the trauma? I don't know. Maybe it's because I've talked to her so much about it. Maybe it's because God's blessing both of us Mm -hmm. because we've done the work that we needed to do. I've done the work that I needed to do to help work through that and help her overcome that challenge. Mm -hmm. She is not a door slammer. She's not a screamer. We talk through when she's angry. Mm -hmm. We work through that and we know she's watched me grow through anger and I've given her what I can to help her be the same. Yeah. So yeah, well, I I mean, your example too, I'm sure to her is, is huge. Like we already talked about, like we grew up seeing anger being used to get things done and, you know, and she's seen a huge shift in you that that isn't where you go to find your effectiveness as a parent. That isn't, you know, that's not your first resort. And when you, even when you like raise your voice, you're like, Oh, is that destructive anger? You know, asking yeah. yourself those questions. And yeah, that's really convicting to me, uh, you know, because my, my kids are still little enough that, you know, the, the oldest one is just now at the age where she could really have memories from her life today. <laughs> and and I want, you know, <laughs> I don't want her memories of her life to be, you know, the exact same that mine were in terms of just, you know, using anger for for getting stuff done. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, um, yes, it can yeah. work, but it's not the best way. You know, and and I think our conversation has has already unpacked that on so many levels. Um, like you said, because that that anger isn't righteous anger. It's really it's really self focused on here's what I want, and here's like this. I'm this is the tool I'm going to use to accomplish my will and put myself at the center of the universe. And instead of seeing the opportunity, even when she sins, to bring her to Christ and to bring her to, back to Jesus, which is where we both need to go. You know, and. Yeah you need help. Mommy needs help too. I I need, you know, I need as much help if not more than you do. And using that as an opportunity to talk to them is, um, yeah, just so much more worthwhile and yeah. Fulfilling our calling as parents really. Yes. So I love everything you shared. Any final words for the mom who is struggling and feeling like this isn't enough? What, what, what else can she do? Um, first of all, don't be afraid to reach out. A lot of times moms are afraid to reach out because they're afraid that they're going to get turned into social services because of their behavior. Mm. Um, They're really afraid of themselves and they're afraid Mm -hmm. of what they're doing to their kids, but they don't know how to get help. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's one of my biggest, like one of the reasons why I do what I do, because you come to me and we talk about what's going on and I'm not going to turn you in to social services because you screamed at your child that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need help. You need help. If you're screaming, if you're hitting, if you're slamming doors, if you're telling your kids, you're belittling them, you're threatening them. I would myself, I would, I'd lock myself in the closet so I wouldn't hurt them. If you're doing these kinds of behaviors, you need to get help. There is something wrong there and you need to reach out and not be afraid to reach out because if it continues to get worse, there's a few things that can happen. You can end up hurting your kids for life. Um, We've all heard of those scary moms who are in prison now. Um, I don't like to take it that far, but I like to like, at least, you know, it is real and we can't uh, ignore it. Yeah. And the other thing is the cry that you just said, the cry for help that I hear so much when I'm talking to moms is I don't want my kids to grow up the way I grew up with the angry environment. Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids' memories to be angry mommy instead of the fun memories I want and dream of having with Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Reach out. (laughs) Thank you. That's great. Well, Natalie, thank you for just sharing some of your story and uh, your wisdom as you've been walking this road for a while and you have, you know, really develop some tools that are working for you. Um, we'll be sure and link to you and your website in the show notes so people can find you sure. and connect with you further and reach out if they need to do that. So cool. thank you. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. I appreciate yeah, it. 
In closing, I really hope that that conversation just encouraged you and gave you some practical ideas of how to combat the anger that you feel rising up within you. As a final note, uh, this week I have coming out the first of the monthly trainings for our Patreon supporters, and it is on time management. When I did the 2018 listener survey, time management was the most requested topic for trainings, and so that is what we're going to be covering. It's going to be coming out just for Patreon subscribers. So if you want to become one of them, you can join us at the sparklers or the fireworks level. level. Those are 5 and $9 uh, a month, and and every month you will get those trainings as well as the the fireside chats with Joey and I and possibly some other couples. So there's stuff in the works. It's happening. Um, this week is the time management training. If you want to, it's not too late to join if you want to get that training and all of the future trainings that I'll be doing every single month for our Patreon supporters. I'm looking forward to next week's episode with Sarah Haggerty, the author of Unseen and actually a local Kansas City native like myself. So uh, tune in next week to hear our conversation. All right, guys, have a great week.